morning. Good morning. Today is the day. If you are just joining us, this is Mornings with Carmen. I'm your host, Carmen LaBerge. Joining me in the top of this hour is Bill English. Uh, Bill joins us each week. He uh, runs a website called, I mean, he does a lot of things, but among those things. He has a website called BibleAndBusiness.com, and he and I are in the midst of kind of an extended conversation about the leadership lessons that Christians can learn from David. And we have been talking about David now for several weeks. And if you want to get the entire series, you can go to BibleAndBusiness.com and uh, click on Leadership Lessons, and you can read the whole series. Today, we're going to specifically talk about the lesson of success. Bill, welcome back. Hello. Uh oh. Hello. Uh, now I can hear him. Now you know, I can he's hear him. got hey. a lot of buttons and sliders to deal with. So you know. So, I know. Nat Nat uh, is pushing our buttons this week, and we appreciate your presence here, Nat we do. Becker. Thank you, thank you so much for being here. Uh, you're welcome. Yeah. So for those of you who are used to hearing Paul Perot in that little, uh, you know, in that little spot when I thank somebody um, off air. Uh, Paul is on his honeymoon, so go ahead and send up a, a prayer for Paul and Jessica as God knits their life together um, d- during their honeymoon this week. Okay, hey, Bill, English, yeah. tell us yeah. what story we're on in First Samuel 17 and the beginning of 18. Yeah, we are going to be on the part of the story David has killed Goliath, and now David goes back to Saul with Goliath's head in his hand, by the way. And uh, Saul inquires about David's uh, pedigree. And they both go back to Jerusalem, and this is the part of this. There's two other parts to the story. One, uh, this is where Jonathan and David become very close. Jonathan is Saul's uh, son, and this is also where the crowds come out at Jerusalem, and basically they they chant. Um, I'm looking it up here. Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands, and so David is now much more popular in Jerusalem and will be very quickly around Israel than Saul. And Saul is going to really be galled by this. He's just going to be offended by this. And our our topic today is how do Christians handle success in a godly way? Because we're going to use David as an example of that. So there are so many threads that we could pull in this story. I mean, we could actually have a succession conversation because the rightful successor to the throne, I mean, technically, like sort of like by the way we think things are supposed to work in a monarchy, um, at least the worldly way of things, we would all imagine that the successor to the throne of Saul would be his son, Jonathan. Yes. And we all know that that is not, you know, sort of God's will in all of this. God has already uh, through the prophet, anointed the next king, and that is going to be David. And so God's will in all of this is that David should be king. Yes. But for Jonathan, for Jonathan to get to the place where he um, isn't just open to that, but fully embraces it, that, that's a, I think that's an extraordinary thread we could pull at some point. There's also the reality of succession related to knowing when your time is up and uh, it's it's actually like it's time to pass the torch might be one way of saying it. It's time for a generational change in leadership. Um, you know, the the Saul does not get that it's time for a new king. And so that's a conversation that would be interesting as well. That's we're not having either of those conversations today. We're going to specifically talk about David and his success. And so I'm just letting people know what we're not talking about, even though those are really great things in this particular story why, why, that why we, we could talk about. Why don't we do them next week then? Okay, I love that. All right, so Bill and I are going to talk about those. We're going to talk about Jonathan and really cool things about Jonathan and his ability to, like, recognize that 
he's not going to be the king and that that's okay and how much he loves David in the midst of all of this and what it means to sort of love another person as you love yourself. And then we'll also look at the reality of succession from the perspective of, hey, sometimes it's time for you to to let the next generation lead. And so we'll, we'll have those conversations next week. Today, Bill and I are going to till the soil of this particular text in relationship to the success that David experiences. And wow, how hard it is for Christians sometimes to deal with success. That conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me, uh, continuing our conversation, is Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com. We're talking about the leadership lessons we learn from the life of David, and today we're talking about David's success. Um, Bill, what is so hard about success? Oh, my gosh, it goes to your head, right? <laughs> and you get all kinds of accolades, and you get, uh, at least in America, when you're successful, you're generally wealthy, or, or you get some newfound wealth that comes into your life. Uh, you have people who are, are telling you how great you are, and you start to believe uh, your own press, and it goes to your head. And I think it's something that uh, is really difficult to handle in a godly way. So um, what do we learn in terms of when we look at, we look at this story from the life of David? What, what is, you know, just start tilling the soil for me. So what is the first thing that you would point to in this story and say, aha, here is something that is valuable for me today as a Christian um, in leadership. You know, the first thing is is really kind of an argument from silence. But you don't have any indication in the text that after the people came out and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands, you don't have any indication in the text that David started to really get a big head about that. In fact, what you find is that David, throughout the uh, ensuing chapters has such a deep respect for what David called God's anointed or the Lord's anointed one that he, you know, he had a chance to kill Saul later on after this and didn't do it in the cave. Um, you probably remember that story. Mm-hmm. He had a chance um, to overtake uh, Saul as king at one point, and he chose not to do that because he wasn't going to lift his hand against the anointed one. So all of that success. I think he attributed it to God, and he held it with an open hand, but I don't think that it went to his head. Scriptures don't tell us that, but what they also don't say is that David got prideful and arrogant and that he started to do the things that unsuccessfully successful people do. Okay, so repeat that last part. Yeah, I'm sorry. It was it was kind of a play on words. When people are, are successful in business or otherwise in life, but they don't handle it well, I call them unsuccessful, successful people. Oh, unsuccessful, successful people. I feel like I've possibly known some unsuccessful, successful oh, people. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at what <laughs> – I'm sorry to bash a little bit here, but but look at what happens to pastors when they when they go from a church of, say, 300 to a church of, say, 3,000 or 8,000. They become different people in most cases, and they often don't handle the accolades and the success well. Neither do Christians in business. I know of a guy um, – uh, two examples, I, both of them in the same dollar range. Uh, one guy, uh, two years ago, we helped him sell his family business. <clears throat> he walked away with about $17 million net after taxes. 
and he's held he's he's handled that very well. It hasn't gone to his head. He's been uh, doing things to further the kingdom of God, and I I can't say much more than that uh, without starting to give away identity. Uh, another guy that I know right now is trying to sell his 30-year-old business, and he probably will walk away after taxes with over $20 million. And I'm interested to see how he's going to handle that because both of them are evangelical Christians. And if he goes and buys a big house in on Lake Minnetonka, which for those who don't live in the Twin Cities is the ritzy area of of the Twin Cities – you know, goes and builds a, you know, 7,000 square foot home on Lake Minnetonka or, you know, starts flying Learjets and stuff, then I'll know he has failed because the money is really there for the kingdom of God to be used for God's purposes. So I think that part of the conversation, Bill, that's really hard for us is that um, we we don't always recognize that success, when we experience it in this life, is really not about us. Right. I mean, I do think that David gets that this is God's victory. This is, you know, that it was God's victory over the bear. It was God's victory, um, you know, over the lion. It was certainly God's victory over Goliath. And therefore, the success that he has, exper- has experienced on the battlefield, how he translates that into successful leadership of God's people is going to be a part of this conversation. We all know that David is imperfect and has uh, moral failures, but we also know that he's described as a man who's, you know, after God's own heart. And I think that when we when we keep that in mind, if 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 as I experience success in this life, as the world defines it, I'm able to recognize that that success is really the success of God. And therefore, whatever it is that are the benefits of that success, uh, you know, be this worldly um uh, worldly access to the levers of power or money or whatever it is, if I'm able to see all of that as, well, that's still all God's. It's still an entrustment uh, of God. It's no different than God putting Adam and Eve in the garden and saying, hey, this is my stuff, you know, and you're my stewards. Take care of it. Uh, and so can we talk a little bit when we come back about what it looks like in leadership to recognize that success itself and all of the what can be trappings of success but can also be the um, the things that we can use as successful people to leverage for the kingdom of God, all of that is an entrustment. Can we talk about that when we come back from the break? You bet. Okay, fantastic. Bill English and I are going to continue this conversation in just a moment. You can check it all out at BibleAndBusiness.com. Continuing my conversation now with Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. We are talking about the leadership lessons we learned from the life of David. And today we're talking about David's success, early success in terms of the defeat of Goliath and what that looks like to slay uh, his 10,000s in relationships to the Philistines. And then what what it looks like then um, to, gosh, have material, spiritual, relational I don't know, success. What, how do we live? How do we live faithfully as successful people? Maybe that's the best question we could ask, Bill. How do we live faithfully to God as successful people? Yeah, success is always going to point, it's always going to change us. There, there's, there's no doubt, Carmen, uh, that success will change us. And it's either going to humble us or it's going to fill us with pride. We, we're not going to stay the same after we've experienced a significant uh, success. And so um, those who have, I think, a strong view of stewardship, in other words, whatever good comes my way is just God's blessing, and it's really 
part of the Ephesians 2.10, that success is helping to prepare me for some other work in the future that God has me to do. Those who have a strong view of stewardship are going to go down probably the humility path. Those that think it's all about them and that my things did this and that I did this kind of in the, in the Deuteronomy 8 uh, a sense where, you know, Moses is warning the Israelites that after you've become fat and sassy, that's the Bill English translation, uh, that, that, that you're going to think that your, that your efforts did all this, that's going to lead to pride. And so, you know, how do we live with success? We live with success by realizing that that success in and of itself is, is God's generosity and God's preparation for us to do something else in the future for his kingdom, and it draws us to himself as well. So I think that when we sort of bring this conversation forward into contemporary concerns and issues, like I would, I would just ask, I'm not really asking this question to you. I'm sort of asking this question yeah. rhetorically. Like okay. who needs $5,000 shoes? Who needs $30,000 shoes? Like you can actually go online and you can find a pair, a pair, a pair, a pair of uh, Nikes that um, they're, they're, you know, uh, the Nike Dunk SB Low Paris. <clears throat> I don't even know what that is, but you can, you can buy them for $30,000. Now, the last time this pair of shoes sold, it sold for $11,500. Like, who, no one needs, and so here's part of the, the ostentatious period of time in which we live, I think is a challenge here, because there are people who think that they need $500 jeans, $50,000, I don't know what, watches, uh, cars that cost a half a million dollars, houses that cost tens of millions of dollars, and 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 $5,000 shoes. Like, I so some of this is we have like arrived at a place where there are there are people who have like such wealth that I think it becomes confusing to Christians who who somehow think that worldly success and um, and access to all of these things is sort of proof that we're also close to God. And this is not true. Yeah, well, I would agree. I would agree that financial success in no way necessarily indicates God's blessing. I, I would or or a closeness agree. or a nearness and closeness to him. Like I think that's I I, I want people who are living, um, you know, really simply and maybe have set aside or set maybe that's not even right the word they're trying to live simply um, as really good stewards of whatever it is that God has placed under their stewardship. And sometimes that that means that they don't look very successful in terms of what the world considers visual success. And so that's um. You know, I would say if you're if you're wearing your success out there in public in a way that everybody can see it, then the conversation that we're trying to have today is that's not really necessarily what successful Christian leadership looks like. The humble person um, who is able to steward all of the benefits of success in such a way that they're still advancing the gospel. That's that's really what we're trying to get at. Am I right? I think you are. And I and I think the point of the, the point that you're making that. Uh, those who have been blessed by God are necessarily close to him, that that is a, a canard, is really a result of the prosperity gospel, right? Mm. That, that if you were poor, you were somehow living in sin. And really, that goes back to the book of Job and kind of the basic thesis of Job's friends. If, you, if something bad is happening or you're poor, there must be sin in your life. If something good is happening or you're rich, then you must be close to God and not have sin in your life. Not and, true. And those not things true. are not necessarily true. And that's, but exactly. the prosperity gospel has taught us that. I think unwittingly and I think um, heretically. 
So, all right. So back to David. Yeah. Um, stay humble. Yes. Um, I'm going to read your four things off yeah, of BibleandBusiness.com. Yep. Stay humble. Yep. Stay connected to God. Mm-hmm. Stay the course and enjoy God's blessing. Yeah. I would I would maybe have added to that. Enjoy God's blessing within and then parenthetically, like within God's boundaries. <laughs> you know, I got that last point from Ecclesiastes 5. When God mm. gives somebody wealth and then enables them to enjoy it. Mm. All right. Good. Yeah. That's that that last bullet point really comes from um, Ecclesiastes five. Okay, so any any soil there? Um, we've tilled. Stay humble. Do you want to till the soil of stay connected to God and stay the course? Yeah, I don't see how you stay humble without staying connected to God. And when you stay connected to God and you follow Him, you're automatically going to stay the course. I think it's all about staying connected to God. And when we talk about staying the course for David, and we talk about staying the course um, for the rest of us, right? Part of it is just recognizing that God has a will that he is working out and that that's redemptive and it's over all things and all people. And we um, have a role in that. We have a relationship with God restored through Jesus Christ. And so we walk by faith in whatever it is that might look like the very mundane rut of the day, but it also might look like the victory lap that David gets to take in this particular story. Yeah, and 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 the working out of God's will. For some reason, that reminds me. What's that phrase? Is I think it's in Philippians two to work out His will with fear and trembling, or, or something like that. I don't, I don't know if you remember that phrase, but that's what I think David is doing. Is we're going to see David do throughout the the ensuing lessons is that he's going to be realizing God's will in his life, and he's going to stay close to God, and that's going to be his greatest strength. Amen. Um, hey, as a walk-off, anything you want to add? we got 30 seconds left. You know what? If somebody, yeah, and this is actually a housekeeping point. If somebody wants to find all of these articles, you go to BibleandBusiness.com, and it's actually under the online book link. So you click on online book, and then you scroll down to the bottom of that menu, Leadership Lessons for Christian Business Owners. Look, if you're a business owner and you got some money coming your way, remember that to fulfill God's purposes for your business, um, use that money to further the kingdom uh, and, on, and don't necessarily go spend it extravagantly on yourself. Love it. All right. Hey, Bill, thank you so much you uh, again. Bill English from BibleAndBusiness.com. You're listening to Mornings in Car- with Carmen. We'll be right back. <laughs>